Give us any chance, we'll take it. Read us any rule, we'll break it. We're gonna make our dreams come true. Welcome to NetNet, podcast about eight seasons in a row. I'm Mr. Fernandes and... Yeah, I'm uh, Chris Joe Warner. Hello. And Rocky and I will be bringing you Survival Test, uh, one of a season five episode of Laverne Shirley. Story by Richard Gurman, teleplay by Roger Garrett and Al Eidekman, and directed by Joel Zwick. Of course, he'll have some facts about them coming up later on in the podcast. Here's what the episode's about. As the episode opens, the girls are getting ready to parachute drop into the wilderness. We flash back to find out why. It turns out the girls' army commander, Sergeant Albinia Plout, turned up at their apartment for a surprise visit after her return from Greenland, telling them that her quest to prove that Wax are just as good as army men by setting the girls up to compete in a survival test with five teens, including a couple of sexist army guys. The girls found themselves starving and cold in the mountains and put up with the behavior of one very sexist jerk on the ground. Will they give it to their hunger pangs, or will they do Sergeant Plout proud? What do you think of this one? <sighs> It's very much a Looney Tunes cartoon one, but uh, yeah. but it's but it's good. I mean, I I guess what it is is I like the message of the conclusion, and I love the plout stuff. Yeah. But this is going to be an interesting one to unpack. This isn't my absolute favorite plout episode. Uh, ironically, that one either I'm pretty sure that one's season eight. Though there is a really terrific one that happens when she tracks her girls down in California. Hmm. And it's. Hilarious to find out how Sergeant Plot moonlights. It's just great. Uh, let's give an immediate shout out to how awesome Vicky is. Yes. Yay, oh, Vicky! yes. Vicky! Woo! Woo! Uh, Sergeant Plot, I love because she is utterly and wholeheartedly determined to freaking get, uh, you know, get some respect put on her name and on all women in the army. You can have mixed feelings about the American Army. Obviously, I do. Everybody does. A lot of people do not. But, mm-hmm. but it's one her of those... determination... Sorry, go ahead. No, 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 no. Please, please. You're continuing to point about Plout. Go ahead. Her determination to get to get the women in her command to be seen as just as good as the guys is terrific. For this episode, I decided to do a little bit of research about the uh, the Women's Army Corps, about the WAC, uh, the WACs, and this, uh, and particularly try to figure out where were they at the time the episode was made, and also at the time when this was set. So, for those that don't know about the Women's Army Corps, they originally started as the Women's Auxiliary Army Corps in 1942. They moved to actual active duty in 43, and um, when they did so it was primarily it was a non-combative role but they were highly praised and there were some of them that actually like as officers rose to incredibly higher high ranks and and uh there were a lot of like engineers and technical side you know through the 40s 50s and 60s uh even through the 70s um they you know yes they did send some of them over to vietnam and um the wax was just was basically disbanded in 78 and was integrated into male units so that moved them actually into you know kind of preparing for combat operations which my understanding was like the first major conflict the united states got into that they were involved with was i think desert storm i believe and so things of that nature now what's cool about plow and this is just to kind of you know again go into what you're talking about just the determination to show them as as confident so in the 60s to see a woman in the Women's Army Corps trying to get this type of respect, even though there were many women that 
held positions of respect within the women's army corps already. And there were many male counterparts that looked at them as, as equals, just because it's like, you know, you do the job, you know, you do the job. Well, I don't care what you are. You know, as we said, you know, we have mixed feelings about it, but the idea is like the ideal, right? The ideal of a certain level of determination, you have a task and you do it successfully. And yeah, it's, you know, so the catch is obviously is that basically even the, the training operations in, in the army now probably would have been improbable, uh, yeah. you know, probably wouldn't have been likely just because of the fact that, you know, that it would have taken a lot of clout from plout to, uh, yeah. to pull, to, to pull something like that off. This rebel test probably could have been done, but, uh, at the very least, just the timing of it was interesting, like to look into that and to see that they were, they were already starting to integrate at the time this episode was being, was being shot. And so that's, that is kind of, it's pretty significant. Um, but yeah, uh, definitely it's for anyone who's interested about like kind of history of women in the military. It's a very, it's a good one to look into just because there's some interesting stories. There's some sad stuff too. The nineties was pretty rough. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. The, like the Aberdeen scandal and stuff like oh, that. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, it's a, uh, yeah. Plout is, is fantastic in this episode though, yes. because as we see, I love how she believes in the girls when we get that flashback yeah. to show her kind of crashing in on their day, pretty much like a day off practically. Like they're just, you know, they're just hanging out and yeah. doing their thing. They're making gingerbread cookies. And, um, One of them's going through gingerbread puberty. I love that line so much. <laughs> um, that. because I, I would have, I would have done that sort of stuff as a kid. Yeah. Um, but, uh, man, the, her belief in them is so inspiring because it's not, it's, the show never tries to say it's unfounded. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Even Sergeant Plout uh, is trying to make her dreams come true. Yeah, that's go. a good way of putting yeah. it. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Like, ultimately, she's not a bad person because she's trying to push the girls. She's not a bad person. She's just trying to prove that she is as good as the person next to her. And in the, like, the early 60s, that's incredibly hard to prove. We are pre-women's movement. We are pre-a um, lot of stuff. And uh, her quest is incredibly uh, hard to pull off. She's but yeah, it's um, it's really cool. And I love the way that she bonds yeah. with them a little bit here as well. Yeah. Like the, uh, you know, it's like, don't be wrong. I nothing that's the man. I, I still, yeah. you know, I find times I love the masculine touch once in a while. <laughs> I, have, I too have no need for a masculine touch. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> I can recall a certain supply sergeant. Oh, that was just a brief and brutal flame. <laughs> brutal? Lawrence gets really excited by the brutal there. Oh God. Well, oh. the implications is that it's it's uh it's it's a good Rogerine, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. She's 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 intrigued. She's very intrigued. You got pictures? Slides. Oh yeah, because I love the implication of that. Because slides means that those were not photos meant to be developed. <laughs> yep. Yeah, 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 yeah. So she got Sergeant to see the Plout, she got to see the yeah. full Doctor Manhattan there. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say. So Sergeant Plot took pictures of this guy's full uh, dangle and tackle here, and <laughs> she has them still somewhere. <laughs> It's kind love of that. amazing, and I love the way Vicky delivers that whole line. She's brilliant as heck in this. Mm -hmm. A whack is more than the paprika on the devil eggs of the United States Army. <laughs> love her. Oh, love her. yeah. It's so good. Love her, love her, love her. Uh, of course, you know, the girls agree to do this. 
Maybe they regret agreeing to do this. Laverne ends up with monkey nerves and uh, literally has to be calmed down with a banana. Mm-hmm. Even though she's still like, she's still sitting yeah. up, st- like, like on the, the, the back of the chair. Yeah. 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 God, when you watch scenes like this, remember that um, according to Penny's autobiography and several interviews she's given and several interviews of staff members who were working on the show at the time, Penny was going through bouts of hysterical blindness this week. Wow. They filmed this. Oh, wow. That's uh, right. This is that one. Of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, this is the episode. Uh, she was in the middle of divorcing Rob Reiner at the time. So the pressure of everything happening with the show declining and everybody like looking at them going, why is it declining? And trying to deal with getting the show back on track. Plus uh, her personal life becoming difficult all at once. Just, you know, give her hysterical blindness. And Cindy was a huge help. She would lead her around the set to her marks. So that's mm. uh, how strong their friendship could be. Even mm-hmm. when they were fighting each other over like little minor things. She really stepped up when Penny went into crisis during the taping of this episode. During the mm-hmm. maybe week of this episode. Definitely. Yeah, definitely sounds yeah. like that's the case. Yeah. Penny resultantly did not like this episode when asked about it uh, years later. That's one of the reasons why. I will say that the intense monkey nurse feels a little bit out of character for Laverne because most of the time uh, she's kind of fearless because of this stuff. Uh, but then again, you know, heights. Uh, she has been you know, a little bit afraid of heights before. Yeah, and specifically uh, the fear of flying. Yeah, yeah, and the fear of flying is a good point. That's a good point. I suppose her laying the flames didn't completely cure her of that. If that makes sense. Yeah, well, and that's also the thing. She's no, lo- no longer in control. I think the, yeah. the aspect of... How well can she adjust to things that when she's being hit with a bunch of them all at once? She's never parachuted before. She's never jumped out of a plane before. She's not been in a military plane like this before. Like, I think it's just layer after layer, basically. And I mean, I remarked to my mom when we were watching this that um, I did find it interesting that, to be honest, like the terrain is going to be more intense and what you're going to go into is more intense. But the skydiving part is actually the least terrifying to me out of, out of a parachute. The parachute part is, is the least, uh, you know, being airdropped is, is the least concerning because you have a hook, you know, you basically, you jump out and you know, it's either going to pull it on its own and it's going to pull as soon as you jump out. Or if you realize it has been pulled and you don't feel it, you're going to have a secondary string that you can pull. So I'm not too concerned. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't be too worried about that. Even by 1960, it was much, much safer. So um but yeah but that that being said i mean they are jumping into cliffhanger so i mean that hence the gabe walker sylvester stallone voice i did earlier yeah (laughs) i was i was like i know that's why he's doing this voice i'm just gonna let him go for it (laughs) (laughs) oh man shelly's parachute has blood on it or seems to have blood on it yeah that's scary yeah Yeah. um yeah okay so i was gonna look up um I'm going to look up. I mean, we'll keep talking about this. I'm going to look up the Paramount Picture films from this time and see if there is a war movie that was made around that time that they'd snagged the uh, may have snagged the the gear from. Yeah, that they like did they because like I could see it if it was say because I mean, they just shot a bridge too far around this time, right? Around the late yes. 70s. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I can yes. I can figure that would be, you know, a place to get, you know, surplus. I mean, they had to make so many uh, things for that. You know, so many costumes, outfits had to be prepped for that shoot. So but I was just thinking, you know, is it from Paramount or did they get it from somewhere else? Oh, the Duelist came out around this time. Um, yeah. I'm still looking at the list. 
Oh, there's Orca. All right, sorry, it's distracted. But yeah, uh, it, <laughs> I I noticed how like I was like, why is there blood? Why is there blood there? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, army surplus. That's all I gotta say is army surplus. That's that just raises army even more surplus. questions and concerns in the process. Like, all you gotta do is just fix a couple of things if it tears and just pass down to the next person. Yeah, I suppose so. Like behind much. Wait, Paramount was the U.S. distributor for Emmanuel too. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. I did not. I, I didn't say, know. The fact that Shirley brings Boo Boo Kitty with her. On oh this my god, trip. it's so cute. It's so, so cute. cute. It's very her. It's very her. I love uh, that, you know, Shirley's just gung ho. We're going to be pushed into it. They both jump out of the plane. They manage to make it to ground. They tangle up in a tree, but they manage to get, make it to the ground. And I love that Shirley digs into her pack for Boo Boo Kitty and goes, go frolic. Yes. It's a winter wonderland. Go frolic. And chucks him. <laughs> chucks him. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, we, we're yeah. still, we haven't gotten a, like a final say on that. But yeah, yeah. so then they, they proceed to attempt to try to make um, Plout as proud as the mother of a 10-pound potato. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. And then Plout throws them their food rations and throws them uh, their supplies and food ends up in the river. <sighs> Along with the uh, with the um, the the ten poles, which I just so this is where kind of one of the weaknesses of the episode kind of comes in for me. Yeah, I had a lot of trouble buying that because I can see having multiple care packages being given then supply supply drops, you know, for this type of test. I can totally see that. I understand. But it felt illogical that all of the that they would separate certain supplies and compartmentalize them like that because i could see because the probability especially with by this point you know many airdrops having been done for supply runs you know within the military history by this point who in the right mind is going to separate the food into one single thing so that if you lose that thing you've dropped your guys you know your your soldiers into the field without the proper like food or shelter making materials or whatever. I mean, it's just, it's, it just, I don't know. It irks me a lot. It's a cartoon. I get it, but yeah, I, I feel like it's kind of ridiculous that they pack the tent poles in with the food that, that, that makes no that makes no real actual sense. It should be with the rest of the tent. I agree. So it's just like, it's like trying to make things more difficult for them. I get why they're trying to inquire, make things more difficult for them. So we feel their struggle and that they get to triumph in the end. Mm-hmm. But it's a bit much. It's like a little bit unreal. Even for the show, it's a little bit unrealistic. And then, of course, Shirley decides that they will forage and they live off of bark and I think, I guess, snow for water. I'm presuming they melt. I think they say that. No, they don't say they melt snow. But I'm presuming that's what they're doing for water. Right. Yeah. Um, and the, oh, God. The, did the bark give you guinea pigs flashbacks? Yeah. Yeah. Name one famous bark eater <laughs> Ed Woody Flugelman. <laughs> Um, and then the girls, of course, are suffering because the guys have their food. The guys have to have their temples. They're being assholes and doing it deliberately down wings like a sort of bacon. Oh, um, God, yeah. And then Laverne has a fantasy in which the boys arrive in their mind. They're in food. Yes. Uh, yeah, and a turkey, a giant turkey, offering her a turkey. You're starving, Laverne. <laughs> Right up your nose hole. This bird really smells. 
<laughs> oh god. Oh, uh, uh, why is Lenny wearing shorts in Laverne's fantasy? <laughs> okay. He's he wearing shorts. <laughs> She has not been able to get out of her mind the moment a few episodes prior when he said, you kind of said nice legs, Len. Nice bod, because a nice body, Len. <laughs> um, yeah, but for some reason, uh, I don't even think that this is squeaky in his normal outfit. Is he wearing shorts, too? Is he wearing anything particularly I'm summer? pretty sure he's wearing shorts. I'm pretty sure he's wearing shorts. Let me let okay. me let me just double see if I can double check. But yeah, yeah go ahead and keep talking though. Yeah. yeah. Of course, uh, the girls have to pretend that they're eating bark jerky. Uh huh. She only has up a snow in her bra, and they have to dig out. And of course, they have an avalanche. And of course, the sexist jerk who's been absolutely cruel to them. Uh, yeah, got one word. Yeah, I got, got one word for you, girls. Ha! Ha! Kind of echoes and gotta listen. Gotta listen to your voice all day. When the avalanche came up, my note is Mia Farrow, Robert Forster. No. <laughs> Gosh, I haven't seen avalanche in the longest time, too. The longest uh, time. I think my dad said he saw that in either in Malawi, Africa, or when he just came to America. I can't remember. One or the other. That's a, that's a heck of a way to be welcome to America. Little <laughs> by avalanche. I, I mean, it would be it would have been one of the first movies. He remembers the first movie. I just don't. I I can't personally remember what the first movie was. I know it's not Avalanche. Anyway, um, yeah, the whole snow scene is interesting because it it felt like a little bit of padding because it takes so long for them to climb out. Yep, yeah, yeah, yep, 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 yep. And then you know, of course, they have to get all the snow off the off this guy. They do choose to save this guy, even though he's been a dick to them. Oh yeah. Yeah. Ultimately, I don't know if I would. Uh, I would save them. I'm sure. I'm sure. The, I'm, I'm sure I would. I yeah, well, I would. here's. I guess here is the thing to always remember, and this is this again comes back to the whole soldier aspect of this. Everything I've heard is that when it comes to training, you have to always remember with that the people you're training with, no matter how much of a terrible person they can be to you, that you have to create a situation that when the shit hits the fan they are going to either take a bullet for you or kill the guy that's going to take your life. Yeah. And because those are the people you rely on to get you back home. Yeah. Is it obvious that I watch a lot of war movies? <laughs> yeah. 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 No shame. Yeah. But that's, no uh, shame. but that's, but that's the thing, you know, and, but that being said, I mean, you know, it's like the only, you know, it's, I'm fine. Get away from me. My leg might be broken, but only in a couple of places. What's it to you? And uh, I, I just have to quote a certain bit from Baywatch that I know Allison oh, likes yeah. to uh, likes to use. Yeah, you know which one I'm going to say. Yeah, the male e- the male ego is a disease. <laughs> God, that's a great that is a great clip. Yeah. <laughs> and just think about how often Mitch Buchanan is ruled by his ego. So yeah, <laughs> perfect, perfectly well picked. And. Um, when it comes to uh, this whole bit, this whole, you know, kind of, reve- you know, the, the the turn of the episode where, I mean, they, you know, he's not going to allow the flare. You know, it's like, what are you, crazy? Penny's line delivery and the line itself is just, it's, I really like the exchange. Like, this is where this takes it up a little bit of a notch for me, just because I like the way that this concludes where they technically win. Do they win the test? No, but... They did the thing that in the real field, this is exactly yeah. the type of thing you have to do that you sometimes exactly. have to, you know, and, and that's the type of like, that's the type of action that yeah. makes you like go up the ranks because you understand the value of the people that are with you. 
and you know that that's more important than the mission. Yeah, in the end, you have to save your fellow man. The other side of what you're on with your when you're in the field like that. So yeah, he does. Do, they they do do the right thing in the end. They do the do the right thing in the end. Yeah, there's. I love that line. Um, I think it's from Shirley. Boy, I don't know why we care that you live or die, but I'm just glad that we do. <laughs> God, sad. You really think about it. Just glad we die. Hallelujah, we die. Yeah. Man. And it's, yeah, and I just, it, the whole, it's, it, my, my note is murka about him, you know, it's like, you don't, oh, it's, oh. you don't quit, you're going to die, but I won't lose. And it's, that is, <laughs> what's the thing, the, the, uh, you know, poke, your, uh, gouge an eye to smite your face or something like that? I yeah, can't remember. spite your face, spite your face. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Man. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. By the way, we see the snowman they've built in the back when it pans over. And I was maybe just too busy making notes while other parts of the episode were going on. Do we see anything else of that snowman other than panning over and noticing nope. they've made it? Nope. I'm wondering if something got cut out in DVD version. I think it's possible it was. I'm wondering too. And of course, they end up back in the plane. Sergeant Flott was proud of them. And they're proud of each other. And when they are told they're flying over a pancake house, they parachute down. Yeah. I think we're getting back to civilization. I think I can see the orange roof of a Howard Johnson's. Yeah. Considering how many flavors of ice cream they had, I would parachute down there too. <laughs> uh, have, you ever, have you ever jumped out of a plane? No. no. I, no, I no. have not. I, I know a few people who have. Yeah. It's like, yeah, no, it's, it's like, yeah. It's not worth it for me. Splattering my head across the uh, great cemented plains is not worth it for me. You've watched Skydivers too many times. That's uh, totally yeah. fair. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I can't think of anything else to say about this one because it is so. Uh, the, it's, it's just mostly a showcase for how much I freaking love Vicky Lawrence. Yeah. How much yeah. do I freaking love Vicky Lawrence? I love her in this episode. I love her um, the way she uh, puts brings plot to life. The way she makes plot a wholly believable soldier who's tough and yet tender and is just ultimately looking for some other women like her who uh, believe in what she believes. Mm-hmm. And in the end, you know. That is what this episode is about. It's, even, it's, even, it's the best part of the episode, even beyond the girls trying to uh, live and not die. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. It's a, it, there, these are good points. It's, there's a, I'm bored by a lot of this episode, I'm sad to say. Uh, Plout not, notwithstanding. Um, yeah. You know, but uh, but I guess that's the thing. The the highlights of Plout I really like. I like the themes of it, but there are many of those kind of weird. Like it feels very Looney Tunes cartoon. Like the way it's very episodic. Yeah. It's very vignette style. It's a it's a premise that doesn't feel like it's really taken the way it can. And as we've yeah. mentioned, you know, I mean, this was a very rough shoot. This is a rough time in Penny's life. This was yeah. kind of one of those you just had to get it done kind of situations and um and for all that considered it's a pretty polished episode you have a really good set i mean it's a really 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 outdoor set you know that was really really well done 
they're still trying. Like we've mentioned, like, you know, season five was such a ratings disaster and they were trying to get things back on track. And this is still making that effort, but as a, from a writing and just kind of a structure, like what does it bring to the table as a, as a show engaging us with these characters? It's got plout. It's got the victory they make at the end and not much else. And so that's kind of where I I land there. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's like there's not really much to say about Vicky. I mean, even like, I mean, it's kind of interesting. Like, even towards uh, Gary uh, Gary Epp, who plays Lou Duff, the uh, the the sexist prick. Um, I mean, you know, he had a nice little twenty year stint working in TV and movies, but you know, there really isn't a lot to like mention. I mean, he got a role in he got a you know different roles on Happy Days, including uh, they shoot Fonzies, don't they, as Boba? Yeah. Um, you know, he's in. Uh, the, Married the first year he was in that. Uh, he was in an episode of Soap, an episode of Joni Loves Chachi, Poor Bastard, ah. O'Hara with Pat Morita, you know, New Leave It to Beaver, etc. I mean, his last appearance as an actor was in The Flintstones and Viva Rock Vegas, which the only reason I mention that is because it was definitely not on my bingo card for name drops for this podcast, yeah. like ever. But like even um, like from a writing thing, like we we've talked a lot about Al Eidekman and Roger Garrett, and we don't have a lot more to say. And they have more episodes ahead. So I mean, focusing on Richard, you know, um, yeah, sort of a credit in this episode. It was his only time working on Laverne and Shirley. He primarily worked on Happy Days, was later a consult a creative consultant on Married with Children. He worked as a writer on Different Strokes, along with other Marshall uh, Marshall vs. Alumni, uh, Dog with a Blog, Home Free. Um, I mean, like the the cool thing they even mentioned, like in terms of like, you know, where did anybody go after this? Obviously, Vicky Lawrence, you know, had an amazing career. Um, yes. But Richard Richard Gurman, the person who kind of came up with the kind of the basic premise and kind of ideas of this episode, he was a producer on many of the same shows that he worked on in the eighties and nineties and then the two thousands. But he also was a producer on the Happy Days of Gary Marshall doc from twenty twenty. So oh, well, that's cool. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, this is like one of those middling ones. It's like one of those middling ones where the performances are funny enough to uh, make you go, aha. But uh, mm-hmm. it's not like iconic or memorable or even something you revisit frequently. It, it does have the down, the poor, unfortunate downside of coming after like one of the best two parters of the series, you know, like some of the best material the show ever yeah, did. Exactly. 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 And then it's uh, the, the, the next episode is nah, kind of weak, but uh, ultimately uh, the, the, we finished the season finishes out incredibly strongly. There's some really iconic episodes. Really iconic. That's good. Yeah. So anyway, so for survival test, you know, we're talking about middling. Um, where where are we going with Rankin for this one? Uh, uh it's about five for me. Right mid level. Uh, nothing offensive about it. Some great Vicky Lawrence stuff. Um, a couple of funny sight gags. Uh, it's not like incredibly memorable or necessary to canon. It's just like it's a good okay fluff episode. Yeah. That sounds that sounds about right. I I I I wanted to give it like a six or a six and a half just for the themes, but it it doesn't it doesn't reinforce them enough. So maybe a five and a half. I'll go a little higher just because, like I said, I really like the ending. Like I really really like the ending. I love the callback of them jumping out to the Howard Johnsons. That's great. Just the the visual in my mind of them landing in the parking lot of a Howard Johnsons yeah. in these parachutes yeah. is adorable. And I want that. Yeah. Same. Same, then they run in, they grab your pancakes, and they have their uh, good old breakfast and fish off with some ice cream. 
and they realize they don't have any uh, any money on them. And I don't know, maybe it turns out like the cook served or something and like salute, you know, gives them a salute like, you know, exactly. Uh, exactly. <laughs> exactly. or 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 um the waitress is um, a washout from their former crew from one of the, uh, from like blue team to oh, someone who just was like, you know, the life was, the life yeah. wasn't for me. And uh, yeah. you know, I, 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 you know, I got Good kids and I'm working, you know, and, and all that and having a nice little life at it, working out of Howard Johnson's and, you know, I'm giving, you know, you get, it's on the house. Yeah. And everybody gets half pancakes and it is good. Yes. Yep. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, it's just one of those okay ones. Yeah. 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 It was all right. Yeah. I, it, yeah. It, it was like me yeah. watching Ever. It was like me watching Everly a few weeks ago. Like, yeah. Oh, it was good. It yeah, was good. That was okay. That was an experience. Yeah. It's a middle of war. Yeah. Anyway, um, I guess that's all for today, huh? Yeah. All right. Cool. Well, uh, thanks again, everybody, so much for joining us for Night After Night. And if you'd like to know some more, join us night after night. You find us on the Facebook, darling. And uh, anyway, yeah, so we can be found at Night After Night Pod or Night After Night PC on uh, Twitter or Night After Night Pod on most of the other places. Uh, please do take a look at our Patreon. Please don't forget to like, subscribe, comment, you know, leave, leave us a little star ranking on our Apple or whatever, wherever you get your podcast from. And um, yeah, please definitely, we would love to have more folks in the fandom reach out and chat with us because that, that's always nice. So, um, yeah, um, um, what do we got next? Well, let's put it this way. Laverne's hunky Italian cousin comes to America and he decides he wants to become a zookeeper. And there's a bear. It is a very interesting episode in a lot of ways. Some of them not flattering. Uh, this is Antonio the Amazing. I can barely believe we're finally doing an episode with a bear. I can barely believe it. Yep. Finally a live bear. We got a live skunk, now we got a live bear. Mm. <laughs> and we had the kittens. The the boob grabbing kittens. And the pups. From uh, oh, the, oh, the pups yes. and dog show. Oh. Yeah, dog oh. show. Oh, that was so nice. All right. Anyway, <laughs> thanks again. Hope everybody will join us for next time. And uh I guess we'll We'll see you, listen to you, and serenade inside your ear next time. Please listen to us night after night. And don't eat bark. Yeah, unless it's actually staged jerky, which it clearly was in this episode. Yeah, if it's hickory smoked bark, then it's fine. Night, y'all. Yeah, you know.